Welcome to Digital Transformation I.O. This is a digital transformation and digital innovation podcast in which we discuss the world's transition to the digital era, how it ties into past economic periods, and what this means for us today and tomorrow. Input-output, that's I.O. And that's because we're taking input from what's happening out there in business, technology, science, society, culture, we process it and view it from the angle of digitalization and the fundamental transformations that it induces. And we output as episodes in this podcast, our analysis on what it means and what's coming next in our lives. This podcast is developed by a practitioner who happens to do research and to teach at Solvay Executive Education at ULB the free-thinking University of Brussels. It's primarily seeking to share views and content that can nurture other people's learning and research. Very often in university courses, in business, in the media, the narrative regarding the emergence of the digital economy describes a transition from the industrial to the information age. In that narrative, the digital revolution is part of the advent of the information age, and it brings about such radical change that invalidates almost all of the principles and all of the ways of working of the old industrial economy. The story goes that old forms die and new ones emerge, that everything changes, that age-old constraints disappear, and that we're only at the dawn of a bright new day. In fact, that's not quite how things go. In fact, this may be an oversimplification. Maybe it's even completely wrong. I've come to talk about this today while developing a course on digital innovation for the advanced master in uh, strategic thinking and innovation management at Solvay Executive Education. And I was thinking, what really makes innovation special in the digital age? And one of the things that's important is how we view it, how we talk about it, how we consider it from the lens of history and economic history. And in fact, our information age is not exactly the exact continuation or the exact successor of the industrial age. The industrial age was more defined by mechanical progress. We invented steam machines and mechanized a lot of the tasks uh, in weaving um, or in other parts of human activity. But between that period when automation and mechanization transformed a number of activities. And today, there's one very important intermediate um, period that was marked by considerable scientific progress, and also by a significant shift in the energy that we use. And the scientific progress and that shift in energy are connected, of course, because of the research of Nikola Tesla and uh, the big mathematicians and physicians of uh, 
the 19th and 20th century. Uh, Bohr, um, Poincaré as a mathematician in France. Um, and they basically transformed our view of the universe. They transformed the way in which we view the relationship between energy and matter to the point that they were able to go find energy sources in the intimate structure of matter, which is what we call nu nuclear energy today. Scientific progress of the late 19th century, and actually the scientific progress that's been taking place over the past two centuries, takes many forms. It improves our understanding of the universe, it helps improve living conditions for mankind on the planet, and it gives us access to space. At its core, a lot of that progress is about bridging the gap between energy and matter. And in particular, those discoveries that are relevant in understanding digital innovation and the transformation of human activities. A set of crucial discoveries were made at the time. And these discoveries in hard sciences also had an impact on culture. Sometimes we also tend to think of culture, the human society, the functioning of our world, as somehow distinct from techniques or technology. Technology is sometimes presented as being extraneous, being an, an external factor that affects society, culture, the economy, and all the things that of everyday life. But in reality, technology, science, and the techniques that we use are actually shaping entirely the way in which we look at the world. When we're looking at the stars, we know we've been on the moon. When we're looking at the um, sky in the night, we see more than or a very different thing. We are imagining a very different thing from what the ancient Egyptians were. And therefore, science and technology, engineering, mathematics are entirely, entirely part of the way in which we see the world. And that means that they affect the way in which we think about innovation, the way we think about our activities. At the turn of the 20th century, the adoption of electrical power meant that we could change the shop floor in industry. All of a sudden, we were not constrained to having machines, mechanical machines that would be sitting very close to the steam generation unit. We could distribute the different parts of the production process. And we could do that because we could bring the energy to those areas where electrical machines could take over and help humans produce better, faster, and cheaper. And as a result, that created new ways of looking at work, new ways of organizing work. That was Frederick Taylor's work. It was also Ford's work. And it led to standardization. And then, as machines developed and as the industrial processes of production evolved, we were able to do some form of customization. That was Alfred Sloan in the automotive business with General Motors and starting to offer options to consumers. To be honest, Ford had already started having different colors of the famous black Ford T that started being produced in different colors um, 
in, in the, the mid-20s or, or early into the 1920s. But the fact is that we started at the time doing two things. One was massification to achieve economies of scale. And the other one was use the machines to be able to produce many variations of products. And that was in production. Similar things happened in other fields. The dynamics of being able to decentralize the production process away from the steam production engine and into dedicated areas where specific tasks would be accomplished is also something that we see in today's IT. Uh, 50 years ago, there was a mainframe and everybody had to be connected to that machine. Then we went into the personal computer age and then we went into network computing and then we went into cloud-based applications. And these are providing new paradigms, new ways of looking at our economy, and therefore new ways of thinking about what innovation we want to bring. That tension between centralization and decentralization, um, the new ways of thinking that new models of production of energy brought about are among those factors that are today making the economy faster at innovating, faster at changing, and maybe more turbulent in a way. I don't like the whole VUCA lingo, like, you know, volatility and all that lot. And I don't like it very much because it creates a disconnect between how we think and what happens. And the experience that people have of the economy is actually a world of turbulence, fast change that they don't see as volatility. They see that as new things happening, many things good in their lives and many things concerning. Um, so if we think about the turbulent economy, we will see that there are about eight factors that explain that turbulence and that mean significant change in the way innovation is to happen. And innovation is to happen in a digital economy, but it's also we need uh, to think about what digital innovation means. So there's innovation in digital and innovation with digital means that will be applied to the uh, economy overall. I won't go into too much detail on those here because we'll have a separate episode for these uh, factors of the turbulent economy. But I'd like to tell you that the distribution of infrastructure from energy to computing and financial systems with distributed finance these days is an important trend. Another is ubiquitous computing with sensors, actuators, motors, robots that are widely available. And these also bridge a gap between the logical digital sphere, the representation of the real world, and the material world where, where production actually happens and where we live our lives still. So in essence, at a very conceptual level, that too bridges the gap between energy and matter because at the end of the day, our information systems are all about energy and what makes a difference is all about the real world, the physical world, and also the intellectual world, the way we think about things. So. It is important to realize that 
the information age, the current digital age, is not born straight out of the industrial age as such. Between the two, there's been a very important moment. That's been the electrified industrial age. And that electrified industrial age, as we've discussed here, transformed production processes to decentralize, but it also transformed the way in which we process information. Because before electrical machines were possible, before we'd found the transistor and the tubes that were used before that, the processing of information was, in essence, mechanical, mechanical automated. And then it became electromechanical, where moving parts, mechanical parts that were used to compute information would be um, actioned by electrical means. And then we moved to a very different space with the transistor and integrated circuits where the information becomes processed at an energy level within the silicon um, with charges of energy that mean one or zero when you discharge. And these ones and zeros make up the very fabric of our digital world. This is where it happened. The Before the, the current digital world, there was actually an electrified industrial age that needs to be studied as well if we want to think about patterns of innovating. Thanks for listening to Digital Transformation I.O. In this episode, we've only looked at one facet of the world's transition to the digital era and what it means for us today. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to having you for the next episode. By the way, feel free to subscribe if you want to be notified of new content on this podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you.